0: Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matthew Dalitz, editor-in-chief of the Science of Psychotherapy here with managing editor as always Richard Hill. Hi Richard. Hey Matt, really great to, great to see you. Uh, now uh, we have to, I have to enjoy talking to you for this brief uh, few mm-hmm. moments because unfortunately you're going to have to scoot away that's And right. you're going to leave me with today's guests. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Because yep. these guests are great friends of mine, and uh, uh, I'm so pleased to have them. And we're celebrating the English release of their new book, which we'll talk about extensively in a moment. But before I introduce Michael and Flavio, a quick reminder to everybody: uh, yes. you you love this um, you love this podcast. You love our stuff. What do we want them to do, Matt? We would love you to become a subscriber to the science of psychotherapy.net. That's where we have a wealth of information for you. And uh, we'd love you to become a subscriber. You get our magazine, you get video content, you get lots of articles, you get everything. And uh, you get to chat to us um, in, in the chat, in the different courses. Please jump on board. We'd love to have you as part of the tribe. And you will be able to find articles and information from these two fabulous speakers. Mm -hmm. Now we we have with us Michael Hoyt, who is from Mill Valley in California, up uh, San Francisco way. And he's a marvelous psychotherapist, been doing this work for many years. He might call himself retired now even, but he worked with Kaiser Permanente for a, a lengthy period of time. And in the early 1990s, they started to investigate this idea and this situation that they saw occurring where people would only do one session and then find on feedback from them that they actually had quite a lot of, they got everything they needed, not only quite a lot of success, they got everything they needed and that was enough to satisfy them. So he began investigating this idea of single session Therapy as a form of therapeutic uh, benefit. So this went on. He was doing that with a few people. He'll talk to us about that. And uh, earlier this century, I love being able to say that, earlier this century, um, a very interesting uh, chap came into Michael's experience from Italy. So we'll have also as our guest Flavio Canistra, who is in Rome, in Italy, and he's been working with single session therapy for over 10 years now and set up the single session therapy association or or group in Italy. And uh, so we've got the American work, we've got the Italian work, and there's actually some strong work coming from Australia as well, the Beauvoir Centre. So uh, Matt, we're going to go not only to America on the West Coast, we're going to go to halfway up the boot in uh, in Italy to talk to Michael Hoyt and Flavio Canistra. So welcome, uh, different sides of the world. We have uh, Flavio Canistra in Italy and Michael Hoyt in the west coast of, of America and me here in Australia, sadly, um, Matthew has been uh, called out to attend to some some food poisoning, which is very sad, but he sends his apologies. But welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you, you. Richard.
0: That's beautiful. Now, we are here, Uh, it's really a celebration Uh, This is why I wanted to get you guys in, because it's not a brand new thing, but this uh, beautiful book that uh, Flavio and his friend Federico uh, put forward a few years ago, Single Session Therapy, Practice and Principles, is now in English. So we want to celebrate it and remind everybody and, of course, make them very keen to go out and purchase purchase the book. So, Flavio, this, um, this production now in the English version, how has that come about? And uh, has it been, have you made any changes to the book or is it just a straight translation? Tell us a little bit about where we're at now with the book.
1: So, First of all, thank you, Richard. It's um, a honor to be here uh, with you, with Michael, which um, really gives a great contribution to the book with his um, chapter and with his expertise. And uh, so the book is basically what we written uh, in uh, 2018. It's basically the same, we just add some um, new um, parts in the um, bibliography, in the references, we just update something, but basically it's um, what we wrote three years ago, because uh, what we meant was to create a book that can be a, a guide to the, for the practitioner to have an introduction to principles and practices of uh, single session therapy. I think it's still good after three years. It's not old yet. So we basically haven't to change um, anything. It talks about uh, history and uh, theory and guidelines. We try to give the um, right space to uh, who help has. To elaborate our uh, method and our ideas, which are um, um, Michael Hoyt, of course, and Bob Roseman and Michelle Talmond's method, and um, in in California, and uh, Jeff Yang's and Maurice Center method in uh, Australia, and Monte Bobbio and Harold Life method in uh, Texas and Canada, and then we explore our method, and we talk about. Um, some case examples. Um, It's a very rich book, but very practical and with, as I say, um, 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 a a path that you can follow from the start, from the beginning to the end, to be completely involved in single session therapy. Yeah. And
0: it's a a now, you well, jump in jump there. Right jump in there. But yeah.
1: let me say a word about you
0: first, Michael, because when uh, Flavio says that Michael did this and did that, we're talking about that, Michael. You are really one of the originators of this whole thinking.
2: That's what I was it's just going to say.
0: Yeah, it's not new. Uh, you've been doing this for a while. So please, uh, and Flavio mm. has no hesitation to say he is your student. So uh, let me just elevate you before you begin oh, speaking wow. to the, the, the grandfather of this whole thing.
2: So many years ago in the late 1980s in Northern California, Moshe Talmun and Bob Rosenbaum and I were working at a clinic and Moshe had noticed that a lot of the patients only came one time. And he thought they must be upset, they must be angry, there must be some problem. And then he look, looked at a lot of the data from the clinic, and this was true across all the different therapists the child therapist, the family therapist, the adult therapist, the psychodynamic therapist, the cognitive behavioral therapist, the family systems therapist, and said, so, you know, maybe one session we ought to investigate this. It seems it's very common. And so we got together and did this research project, and we uh, approached a lot of First, we pulled a couple hundred charts and called patients and found out what why they had only come once and most were happy. And then we uh, decided to do a prospective study uh, where we approached our organization. So we'd like to study the possibility of one session therapy. When people come in, we'll say, maybe we can do it in one. Are you interested in that? Aid? And this is what resulted, that we found the the majority of people wanted one session, found it adequate, just what they wanted, even though more were available. The great majority of those on follow-ups said it had been very beneficial. And many reported secondary benefits. Not only am I getting better, less anxious, but I'm doing better at work. Or not only am I getting along better with my spouse, but I'm also sleeping better. You know, different other, what we call ripple effects, benefits. And it was not an experiment, but it was a... Um, we we did not randomly assign people to one session or longer. With everyone, we said, uh, let's see what we can get done today. Maybe one session will be enough. Are you interested in that? And we found, even though it wasn't an experimental assignment, there was no difference in outcomes between the people that continued and the people that only had the one session. Now, one of the things that I find fascinating about this I just want to say, I've mentioned this already when we were warming up, but I woke up this morning thinking about this, uh, that we were going to meet today and Flavio's in Rome and you're in Sydney and I'm here in Northern California near San Francisco. And that we would be communicating around the world. When Bob and Moshe and I did this study in 1988 to 1990 and the first book came out, Moshe Talmud, 1990, and then some articles, no one had the idea that we would have three large international conferences. We would be talking all around the world about this. There'd be many, many, many studies since. Um, So when you said a few minutes ago that Flavio is some way my student. In some ways, that may be true. He, we've, he's studied some of the things I've been doing, but we're really colleagues. And what to me is so amazing is that what do they say from uh, little acorns, big o- big oaks grow. And we had this idea way back when. And now he's doing research in Italy. and We're going to have a conference someday in Italy and research in Canada and research in New Zealand and research in Australia with the Bouverie Center and other people in, in Melbourne and all around. So to me, this whole thing is just like, wow, how did this happen? Uh, I thought we were doing a little research project. Uh, they made me the principal investigator because I had published two or three articles and they thought maybe I, we'll get the grant if Michael's name is first. Uh, yes. That was the idea. And, you know, since we've all written lots of books and dozens of articles, it's just really quite a wonderful thing. And when I got this book in Italian a couple of years ago... I was just so thrilled this is like oh wow, look at this and here's the studio. they spelled my name right that's good, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, a, but not just the history but look at all this the developments in the different places in Australia and how they're doing it in Italy and so I just think this whole thing is a one a wonderful. The basic finding is that one session can help lots of people. Not everybody, not all the time, but given a choice, many people want to come for one session and find it beneficial. Everything we've done since is figuring out who are those people, how to make it work for more people. It's important to recognize that it was the patients who invented single-session therapy. They were the ones coming for one session, and we're trying to figure out what makes those sessions work for those people and how to make it work for more people. Well,
0: let, let's dig down a little bit into that. some of that stuff, which of course the book does. It's uh, it's beautiful. I'm looking through you know, a number of chapters, eight or nine chapters, and each divided into interesting areas. And a few things that caught my eye, I'd love you to, to talk about, and you're just touching on it there, Michael. Um, but you have a, a section that discusses the single session mindset. So this this mindset that uh, that the, the what is it, the patient possesses it, the therapist possesses it. What are some of the, just to expand a bit about that, that the nature of the, the I am the so glad that
2: you're asking that question because in the new book that just came out in English one, the best, one of the best chapters in the book is by Flavio on the vital role of the therapist mindset. Take it, Flavio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm quite proud of um, and honoured of that chapter, uh, which is in the book, Single Session Thinking and Practice in Global, Cultural Mm -hmm. and Familial Contexts, edited by Michael Hoy, Jeff Young and Pam Rycroft. And uh, in that book, I developed something Uh, We talk, of course, in our book and uh, which basically is um, uh, developed in every single book about single session therapy. In every single book about single session therapy, you can find um, something about the mindset because the the therapist mindset um, at first, because the therapist mindset, the idea that one single session can be enough, can be useful. Maybe not to resolve a problem, maybe to help the client to have some strategy or a space in which he or she can uh, find uh, um, a feedback, a uh, confrontation with uh, the therapist. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of mindset that puts the therapist in the position to try to do something useful and enough for the client, is uh, what can uh, mostly make a single session possible. Because uh, uh, if you approach to a a therapy session, every therapy session, the first one, the second one, or over and over, uh, with the idea that one is not enough, two is not enough, five is not enough, you will probably have right. You probably will need more and more sessions. In my chapter, in the single session thinking book, I, um, I talk about um, um, a construct, which is the flying into health, which is a construct developed in a psychoanalysis, in which when a client uh, came back in the second or third session or fourth session saying, hey, doctor, I'm I'm good. I feel good. I don't have any symptoms anymore. The doctor said, oh, no, no, this is a flying into health. You can't be uh, healthy now because my theory say that you can't, so this is impossible. And in single session therapy, in a way, the therapists adopt a different theory, but it's more appropriate to say a different mindset, the mindset that say that maybe one is enough. And if not, you simply have any other session to accomplish your, your goal, to, to help the client.
0: And Michael, this is something when we've discussed uh, that you've said to me that. Certainly, single session is the possibility, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get everything done in in one session. And 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 you're failing if you if you go into two. So there's 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 a scope a in the whole process that uh, I that's, that's a still very about the goal.
2: An important point: we're not saying only one session, but one at a time. You approach each session as though it might be the only. You uh-huh. might say to the person, "Are you interested in seeing if we can get enough done today that you, you may feel it's all, all you need." was to come this one time, oh yeah, I'd be interested in that. Flavio mentioned the therapist mindset. Something we have not talked much about in the literature yet is the client's mindset. And I think clients come in wanting help now. If you say, "Oh, I think you need to come once a week for a year," that many, I only, I only need some help figuring out how to discipline my kid, or how to sleep better, or how to get along with my partner, or uh, you know, how to stop drinking. Or they may not want to come every week or twice a week or whatever. So I think. In some ways, we're capitalizing on the mindset of the client who's oftentimes is ready to do something. It's not just getting an idea, but are you willing to apply it? How will you use this? Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about theory, whether this theory, you know, the mindset is determined, or the attitude is another word for it, or the pr- perspective is determined by the theory. Uh, our friend Bill O'Hanlon and another guy named Jim Wilk, way back in 1987, wrote a book, and it's very. In part of it was very funny when they talked about single-session therapies. And they said somebody can always question it because they can say, well, it worked in practice, but does it work in theory? (laughs) (laughs) Like Like somehow, so what if you got good results and the person's happy and they don't seem to have a flight into health, meaning they're going to be having all the same problems in three weeks. It it lasts, it benefits them. What do they know? know, They're they're only the patient. I'm the doctor. I should decide... uh, I'm, I'm trying to be facetious. Where I, you know the customer is right, and particularly since therapy is largely getting people to use their own skills and resources, it's not us. Doing yes. something to them, putting it into them. How many uh, how many doses do you need before you'll have enough?
0: Yeah, uh, yes, This interplay uh, is, of course, has been talked about more and more. You know, the the client therapist relationship, um, but but certainly as it goes through it in the book here, there is a, 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 a an attempt to give you some frameworks. And I noticed here, uh, which caught my eye, was that there are three methods. Uh, and perhaps we could talk about that for a moment and then, uh, but also, additionally, that's that's developed and sort of evolved at it itself. And there's an Italian method. Can we just have a brief discussion about these uh, these methods? Perhaps start with you, Michael, and then uh, Flavio talk about the, uh, the the changes that developed uh, and grew into the Italian method. I'm fascinated by developments uh, that that, yeah. that that the theorists make. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that started us off. Back in the late 1980s, I was very involved with something called a redecision therapy. It was Bob and Mary Goulding. It was a form of T.A. Gestalt therapy that they had invented. Um Moshe had been doing, had just finished doing some work with Salvador Minuchin, and he knew Minuchin quite well in family therapy. Uh, Bob was very interested in lots of things, as he always has been, including uh, Ericksonian hypnosis. So we came to it without one method. Single session therapy, there are certain methods that seem more useful solution focus, narrative, some strategic, some Ericksonian ideas. Those are useful. But we came to it with the idea of single session therapy is really a delivery model. It's going to be one session. And then the therapist can do lots of things within that one session. Uh, The first cases of single session therapy that we could find in the literature were reported by somebody called Sigmund Freud. Oh, Uh, oh, that guy, yeah. That guy, yeah, you know. And (laughs) and there were single sessions with Gustav Mahler, the famous composer. They were both in Leiden, Holland at the same time. Mahler said, can I have a meeting with you? And they walked around the canals for a few hours, talking about Mahler's problems with his wife. Uh, And it seemed to fix problems or help him a whole bunch. Another, Freud was in the Alps on vacation with his family, and there was uh, a, a... teenage girl, Katarina, and she was the innkeeper's daughter. And she had some emotional problems, and Air Freud, might I speak Air Dr. Freud, may I speak to you? And they had a meeting. It was one session. Uh, so it started, if you want, psychodynamically. And when you read the literature, uh, there's every approach you can think of. There's EMDR, and there's Gestalt therapy, and there's psychodynamics, and cognitive behavioral, and different forms of strategic therapy. So I'm interested to hear about the Italian method uh, uh, and and the other methods, because I'm making an argument that while certain methods are more useful and they're more empowering of the clients, uh, we see successes with all sorts of different approaches, theories, methods. uh, And so I'm a little concerned when that... I don't mean to pick on the Italian method or the Australian method or the Hayward, California method. That's where we did our original research in California, but rather that whatever works in different strokes for different folks, different things might work with different people.
0: But yes, we we do have to we do have to start somewhere. Uh, yeah. uh, to The springboard. Uh, yeah. Yes, and this this I agree with you, Michael. I say this a lot too. That these these methods, these these knowledge bases are uh, some people settle into them and sink into them like they you know they the 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 answer to everything. As different from springboards that go forward, and obviously things have been springboarding. So Flavio, uh, this development, how did how did you start to expand? What were the expansions that you started to find needed to be added or um, I'm I'm rambling. Best go over to you. You tell us.
1: So uh, first of all, I um, I want to clear that in the book we describe these three methods, and we use the word method for a um, clear purpose. Um, that uh, are the methods that influenced us. Um, and what we learn from literature from Hoyt Almond and Rosenbaum, and uh, Monte Boba live, and Just Young Bury Center. But there are, as Michael said, there are uh, possibly influ- a lot of um, of methods. Uh, um, I-, I could quote Martin Soderquist uh, or Jessica Schlader in New York, or Windy Dryden or Ost in the um, North Europe. So um, it's a service delivery, as Michael as Michael said. Uh, and, and this is the beautiful thing about single session therapy. You can do it in a lot of different ways. And um, and we choose the word method um, in our book. Uh, we did this chose not all the others. Talk about methods for, for example, uh, because we think it's better than approach or um, theoretical orientation. Method is more similar. Well, method, the, the, the word method in, in Italian um, is more similar to um, guidelines, you know, structured guidelines that help you to achieve a purpose, a goal. Okay. And uh, in Italian method, what we what we do is to take um, from the Monteball bills uh, and from the Monteball bills and Arnos life method the strategic part to uh, go to find the attempted solution of the client that um, uh, uh, maintain him or her in the problematic uh, um, situation and in the, um, Jeff Young. Uh, boris center method we go to uh, take the um, our emphasis on the resources emphasis on uh, what work and uh, the idea of a very structured method when i went in australia to learn at boris center the, the method um, i found something very structured with very precise steps to do and this is what we take from uh, From him and from Michael Hoyt, and uh, I went at first um, in California to learn from Michael Hoyt. um, We take the great emphasis on the person, to put the person at the center, to consider uh, every single person um, unique. And to find a way to uh, meet the person with her resources and with uh, uh, her ideas to how therapy can work in his view. Um, so I think that the element is a mix, a mix of these three ways to do um to the single session therapy, not very original in a way, but very functional. And uh, we also put um, a different emphasis on communication. Uh, this is because we needed to um, adapt what we learn around the world for the Italian culture, you know. Um, that's basically what we do, in a way, in in, in a side uh, on a side to block what doesn't work, and on the other side to put the person in the center and enlarge their uh, resources in uh, uh, helping the therapist with a very structured uh, method. And I think that
0: there's an interesting analogy of, and metaphor that, that I, I've often used with this is actually going back to early days of songwriting of uh, the greats Carol King and Neil Sedaka and those guys. And they would just, you know, be thrown into a room and say, you know, don't come out until you have a hit record, you know, to have a hit song. And so sometimes they would have this amazing, creative, totally unique experience, but other times they would get stuck. And so they would just go back to a a few basic chords, their sort of familiar chord pattern, which I could relate to being the method, a method. And then from that emerged these extraordinary, um, totally unique and uh, improvised melodies, which, of course, has led to what is a very, very funny uh, comedy routine by a, a group of uh, comedians who have the four-chord song and they play about 30 of these famous uh, so, uh, songs. But is that the sort of the the value of a method, that it, it gives you a starting point or uh, gives you a place from which you can um, reliably move out? What do you think, Mike?
2: Let me read a quotation. The essence of single session thinking is to approach the first session as if it will be the only session while creating opportunities for further work if it is requested by the client. Right. Uh, so we're going to try to do this in one. We'll do more if we need them, basically. I think part of it, I've sometimes just talked about what I call a context of competence. And I've said that therapy takes place in the context of competence. If you can imagine three circles overlapping, and one circle we'll call um, goals, another we'll call resources, and the third we'll call alliance, uh, we need whatever the method, we need to find out what does the client want? What is their goal? How will we know when we can stop meeting like this? What's the target in golf? Where's the hole on the golf course? Different ways of asking it. But where's the goal? What are we trying to get to? I want to be able to go to sleep without being up all night. I want to be able to think about things without getting too emotionally upset. I want to, whatever their goal is. Uh, Then we have to ask ourselves, what resources does the client have that they can bring to bear? exceptions to the problems, talents they may have. Erickson talked about uh, uh, um, bringing skills from one area into another, generalization, cross-competency cross, tr- cross competency transfers, that kind of a thing. And then there's the alliance. If people could figure out what they want and how can they solve it on their own, they would not come and see us. So I'll think a lot of the alliance is us helping them figure out where they want to go and how to get there, how they've gotten there in the past, how other people they know have gotten there, how they could get there. And so we're trying to use the alliance, our relationship, largely to inspire them, to encourage them. Uh, To use my golf metaphor again, we try to hand them one of their clubs and say, you know, it sounds like that worked pretty well with your boss. Have you thought about doing that with your sister? Uh, well, how would that go? Rather than us telling them what to do, mostly looking for exceptions to the problems, times they've been able to handle things. So I think the different methods, when I I hear about them, because now I've been kind of, uh, I've been thinking a lot about strategic therapy and, and some other different approaches, is trying to ask, so Where do they get to? Who figures out what the goal is? And how do they find out the client's resources? You know, even the word client. um, I know in Australia, you say client and even consumer. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of places in the States, they still say patient. Uh, I'm not sure how it's done in Europe, as in Italy or in other places in Europe. But the idea of patient was the medical model, and they have to be patient. They'll tell us what's wrong, and then the doctor will fix it. Be patient. Yeah. Be patient uh, yeah. but it comes from Greek and Latin words, patiens, meaning suffering, uh, where the client sounds more egalitarian, more they're a client. They've hired us to do a job. We're working with them. Uh, so I think it's important, though, that we try, whatever the method, to, f- to help the client figure out how they can get to where they want to go as soon as possible. Uh, maybe yeah. in one session, maybe not.
0: I think there's there's another thing, Michael. If I can stick with you for a second, uh, because in, uh, I, I've had the great pleasure to attend a number of your your presentations over the years, uh, so my awareness of this is 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 um has uh, been enriched by those things. But you, you also describe a linear, a, a, a sort of a sensitivity of the client, the therapist. Is it useful for the therapist in looking at the linear progress of, of a session that uh, that gives them an insight into the, the progress and the, the comfortability or the success or the effectiveness of what they're doing? Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: I think there's... Pre-contemplation. I mean, there's uh, before the therapy begins. When we first meet with the person, we what decided you to come now? What's your goal? What problems are you having? When things are better, what does that look like? Then we do change. However, we do change. uh, However, we try to bring about change. Whether it's bringing forth uh, feelings that they have neglected. Changing parts of the narrative, helping them see certain strengths they don't have, uh, trying to not allow them to continue the problem they contend. It's, uh, there's different ways of approaching it. Uh, then there's some part later in the session where we're talking about how they're going to apply this in their life. What's the take-home message? The next steps, uh, and then dis- discussing whether this has been enough and how they will use it. This morning I was reading something that Michael White, the narrative therapist from Australia, had written, and he talked about it is not just rewriting the text or the narrative; it's the performance of the new text that, ch- that changes people's lives. So how are you going to use this? How are you? Yeah. What is this? to you it's not enough just to say oh there's a different way to think about it and look at it but will they actually embody it will they move into it will, will they use it
0: yes uh, i i i must I, i've got a, a recent client who's had about 30 years of therapy and um and i was absolutely astounded because we did exactly that because i t- been to Michael Hoyt lectures and I'd been following the process and also Dine and and Ryan and and self-determination theory and so on and so forth, which are fabulous. But this idea of implementing, which is, again, Ernie Rossi talks about that, she found that a totally surprising uh, uh, comment that she's saying, oh yes, I've made all these realisations before and the therapist would say to me, oh, that's wonderful, I'll see you next week. Uh, and, And I said, oh, that's wonderful, we'll put that into your life and that's it, we're done. Uh, and it was it was it was an extraordinary so the, the the extraordinary thing is that there are very, very different ways of thinking among therapists. and I think Flavio, this takes us back to where we sort of in a bit of a circular round there of this mindset of the therapist,
1: yeah, um. What you say um, remind me of a very important thing I learned during the um, the training with Michael, which is to ask to the client what um, he or she thinks about how he or she can solve his problem. You know, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes as therapists, we think that we need to be smart. Um, and a um, uh, guidelines. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, a guidelines that uh, Michael and his group uh, gave was uh, don't be smart, uh, take your time, uh, make time your friends um, and ask to the client what uh, kind of ideas um, he could develop to solve this problem. Uh, This is also developed by um, Duncan Miller in the uh, Client's Theory of Change, to ask to the client, uh, what is the cause of the problem uh, from your point of view? And what can solve the problem from your point of view? And to me today, uh, still today is is extraordinary how this can be uh, Useful and usually, in my experience, this can conduct to uh, three kind of uh, answer, an answer that, in your opinion, your um, a professional opinion, totally fit for what that client needs, and so you just prescribes to um, you just prescribe to the client uh, is how solution. And the second way is when what a client says is very useful, but maybe just needs some uh, adjustment so you can use your expertise to help him or her to do uh, better um, what he just proposed. And uh, the third way is something that could happen when the client proposes something that is good, but it's not good enough you know that you need to change something, but you can not propose something that relies on what he says, something that you can um, um, groan from what he says. Uh, this, for me, is fantastic because in our workshop, Often we see a therapist that basically says, oh, with this client, with that client, I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills and the strategies and the techniques. I need to allow to read many books or to learn uh, some new technique, new intervention. And you say, okay, you can do that. But the first thing that you can do is to ask to the client, what do you think? What do you think that can help? And of course, often the clients say, I don't know. You are the, the doctor fix me. I don't know. But if you wait a few seconds, you can discover that I don't know often means I need some time to think about this. So there's yeah. a very
2: valuable technique in therapy for therapists to know, called putting your lower lip against your upper lip. Shut <laughs> <laughs> yes. Up your mouth for a moment and give the person time to process. But if they say, I don't know, and I say, well, I'm a PhD, here's here's 23 different things you could try. I read a lot of them. Then we're not looking at their strengths. They're not getting the message they have to do anything. Uh, I've taken over for them. Get out of the way and I'll hit the shot. I can do it better than you can. Plus, I, I can do it with tennis or golf. Uh, so I think it's very important sometimes, as Flavio says, when somebody says, well, I don't know, you're the doctor. And I go, yeah, I know. I wish I knew more. You're the yeah. patient. Tell me what you've tried so far. <laughs> so I, so, know, yeah, so you
0: know, are, we, are we are we both patients? uh in the therapy room or do we both yeah. need to be patient
2: yeah well, maybe we should be we should be patient and give them a chance to be the client
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I got to write there down.
0: And I'll use that. <laughs> oh very good. I was, me too. Uh, asking, uh, yes, it's uh, lovely. I was working. I was working with uh, with my gorgeous wife Susie on a, a project that she's doing, and and she was very frustrated by it. And she she made a comment, and I said, oh, that's good for my next book." And She, <laughs> she, she said, "Get off your stuff." But
2: now, uh, uh, Flavio, Flavio, in the book, in the book, what do you think? What's the most exciting thing in the book? Yeah, great question, Michael. Yeah.
1: For me, in yeah, my book? for you. Yeah, uh, what yeah, do you like? Um, well, um, I, I have no doubt that the most exciting thing is the um, chapter about the case examples. Because uh, when we did that, we contacted, um, I, I think it's 17 therapists um, that uh, we, we trained in Session therapy and we asked them if they wanted to talk about their cases, so one case each. And um, in this way, we had 17 different cases of single-session therapy, um, um, made by uh, seventy different therapists, uh, so we have uh, psychologists, but also psychotherapists uh, trained in uh, Gestalt therapy, strategic therapy, um, familiar therapy, and this is very good because in this way we can find different kind of um, different kind of approaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, apply to single session therapy. Different views, different ways to do the same thing to help the client or the client, because there are also uh, couples therapy, uh, in just one session. Uh, that the, the chapter I um the, the most valuable chapter in, in the book to me, because yeah, you. you learn how to do single session therapy, but you also learn from who practice single session therapy for the first time.
2: When you see so
1: many different ways; it, it gives
2: you a freedom. Which way would work for me? There's yeah. more yeah. than one way. Many roads lead to Rome, as we say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. let's let's flip that question
0: back to you, Michael. Is there is there a favorite chapter that you have in the book, or uh, are you uh, going to sit on on Flavio's shoulders there? I'm I'm
2: gonna. I think Flavio. Well, I like everything. Uh, Brilliant. Well, no, I do. Yeah, that's uh, like beautiful. But, what, but I agree with Flavia. What to me is most interesting, because I, I've been in this field a long time, is, oh, what's new? How are people using this? Oh, I hadn't thought about doing it that way. Oh, that's a that's an interesting way to phrase that. Oh, what a good application. Yeah. Uh, so I find reading the different examples is kind of the most fun if you if you will for me thinking God 30 years ago Bob and Moshe and I were running out in the hall and talking to each other and look at this people in Italy are doing this now. It's contagious. And you know it's and so this idea that different ways people could take some basic ideas and apply them. I think that to me is probably I would have to say that is the most interesting. You know, there's also less interesting to me, but I think very important. There's issues about implementation and insurance and diagnosis and and administrative systems. And can you do this in one session? Or do you have to do an intake and then do it in the second session? Uh, And do you have to have a diagnosis to get paid? And So there's a lot of levels you have to get through and I used to find those uninteresting uh and then I've edited some books also recently and and I'm doing some consulting with some different systems uh my college counseling center and a couple other places and most of their questions are things like legal questions and medical legal risk and what form to fill out and, and It's less the therapy, and it's a lot of it's the context, but it has to do with the mindset that we've created this idea to be fearful of ourselves, of our patients. Something could go wrong. Everything has to be so signed and countersigned before we do anything. I'm not saying we should be wild or dangerous or anything, but I think if we assume that the clients coming to us are Functional human beings who have managed to stay out of our office for thirty or forty years—they're competent in some areas of their life. It's a a better way to approach people rather than they're screwed up. They're going to sue me, and I better not say anything.
0: And uh, yes, that's a a really important point, I think, Michael. Because I I do, I do hear this. I have, I have heard this at conferences where I go to, where I I hear people talking as they leave the room from a particular lecture, saying, "Oh, well, I could never do that because they'd be." much paperwork or so on and so forth which which, our
2: colleagues colleagues, uh monty bobell and arnie slive have written about common concerns people have about single session therapy and one of them is i'm going to miss something important and they said basically you have to ask uh have you been having thoughts about harming yourself somebody else or pets you know are you uh, something like that and if they say yes then you have to explore it and treat it like you would in any other therapy but you don't have to ask 200 questions about uh, depression and suicide and all that ask a few basic ones to see if that's an area you need to explore but we spend so much time on the intake that uh, several people have written that if. If the client doesn't come out of the session feeling they got something good from the session, there's not going to be a second session or a third. Uh, God, I just went and told my sad story and they made me feel worse than than when I started. And then they said, well, I'll see you again next week. We'll pick it up. That's not very therapeutic. So I think trying to find ways to help people experience forward movement. And I think that's to go back to the mindset idea. If we have the idea that the client is going to be able to start making changes now, today, a lot, then they will much sooner rather than waiting. uh, uh, Well, we've got to do a complete assessment before we can begin to look at what possibilities, but we better go slow. You know, even when John Weekland used to say to people, go slow.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: There was yeah. slow. That was just the co-op resistance. But there was go. Yeah, the go, go was the yeah. important one. You're going to do something. It's not enough. You don't want to rush into it, but you also don't, don't want to just sit there and do nothing. Nothing will get better unless, unless you, you know, as Bill O'Hanlon has said, do one thing different. Do one one of the same different. doesn't make a change. You know, and everybody is... Not everybody, many people have said something like that, you know, DeShazer, if it works, do more of it. If it doesn't work, do something different. And so I I think what we're doing in the single session approach is saying many people come in and they want some help now. They're sort of ready. They've got the the right mindset. uh, And we're trying to help them figure out what would be most helpful for them, sometimes from their personal repertoire of what they already have done. The, or they can borrow from other family members. I said to one woman, "What would uh, who's your superhero?" She said, "Buffy the the Vampire Slayer." And I said, "Well, what would Buffy say to your boyfriend?" She knew exactly what Buffy would say, and I said, "You just got to channel Buffy, don't you?" And she laughed. I can do I can do that, and so it could be a supernatural figure, or what would Jesus say, or what would Buddha say, or what would uh, you know your favorite soccer player or, or rugby. Players say doesn't. So I think helping the person find their resource, uh, what they can, you know. Oh, this hand is telling me this, and that other hand is telling me that. Well, which one are you going to listen to? <laughs> that might be a way to do it. Just
0: yeah, to- uh, that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful okay. thing. And we 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 could go on more and more on that, but we do have to come to an end sometime now. So before so, we
2: finish, I would like. Yeah, to.
0: but some, something. Yeah, what's listener, your final thing? If then?
2: you're a listener, here's my. Question to you, from what you've heard so far, how might you approach a client differently? Might you say, let's see if we can get it done in one visit, or how have you solved this in the past? What has been useful for you in this so far? And I certainly hope that you will get the English or the Italian version of the new book, because it has so much information in it that I think uh, if you're curious at all, you'll say, wow, I'm really glad I got this book. It's got great, great stuff in it. And everyone Um, will you. Well, Moshe Talman and I wrote the preface. We would call it the foreword in English, but they call it the prefazione in Italian. But the book is really from all the authors who contributed the chapters. And I just encourage people to read it because it's so good. Yeah, well, we
0: will we will have uh, links in the show notes uh, for people to go to go there and have a listen and click on and and get these books. And so, Flavio, some last words if there's a, a thought, something we've missed, or some little summary you would like to leave us with.
1: Well, I uh, I, I, I can um, just say one thing to uh, that in 2023 we will have the fourth symposium, international symposium, on single session therapy. So I hope that uh, in Italy, in Rome. Um, uh, of course, which a lot of people mentioning in this and in the other books, which uh, let me tell this again, uh, inspired her work and inspire her work. Today, still today. So, um, at the next appointment uh, after this book and other books and other works, uh, me and Michael are also working on um, a new book. He um, will be in two thousand twenty three in Italy, in Rome, for uh, an appointment we hold uh, uh, for most of the um, best holders of single session therapy in the world. Fantastic. With the best the best way to get that information
2: would that be to just to Google Italian Center for Single Session Therapy?
1: Or is that the Yeah, and there is also um, an English uh, webpage that we create that is singlesessiontherapistsplural uh, dot com single dot com, in which every month, every month we publish. Um, articles about single-session therapy, which basically are um, synthesis, or like abstracts of um, research or review of book about oh, single-session therapy and okay. something like that. Yeah, Beautiful. And we will talk about the symposium in that in that website.
0: And, and we all have links to that and we'll but we'll have you on again we'll talk again uh, getting closer at uh, the end of 22 23 so that we can talk about the new books and get people really geared up on that but single session therapies.com is the place for all us wonderful english speaking people to go gentlemen i uh, i can't thank you enough for for uh, uh being with us but it's just a great joy for me because you're you're uh, two of my favorite people and uh, and I miss you. So it's it's really good. So Everybody for now please
2: take, take yeah. care of yourself, get your vaccines, do whatever you have to do, to stay healthy, so we can all actually be in the same room again together instead of uh instead
0: of line. instead of this distance. Anyway, for now, we'll see you next time.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Well, I'm just
0: I have to thank my friends again for coming in and talking to us. It is very exciting to see the new book out there, or it is new in English, to see the book out there and accessible to English because Flavio has brought a particular flavour and interest and uh, expansion of what we're doing in single session therapy, and uh, you can see that Michael is very excited about the work he's doing and uh, is very supportive. So, uh, without having my 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 fabulous um, Matthew Dalitz here, I'm feeling a bit a bit alone and and, uh, and despondent. So I'll say uh, goodbye from Matthew and uh, goodbye for me. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.